Hey there! Do you like legends, myths, and whiskey? Or maybe just one of those things? Then you should listen to the Legends, Myths, and Whiskey podcast. For more information, head over to legendsmythsandwhiskey.com. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining podcasts. Society-13.com. I like to listen. Hi, this is Nelson Piles from Society 13 and the creator of The Wicked Library. Dan Foydick, the current host and producer of The Wicked Library, has started a Patreon campaign with a lot of great perks for those of you who want to keep the show alive and, most of all, free. It's an expensive endeavor to keep a podcast like The Wicked Library up and running. Website costs, equipment, storage for all of the episodes. It takes a lot of money to keep a show like this free for all of you. And besides that... Think of the librarian. Yeah, the poor soul. Imagine if he had to go get a job somewhere else. Hey, new guy! Come here, we gotta complain! Hello, kid. Uh, I mean, Steve. This guy ordered chicken fingers. What the hell are these? Oh, chicken fingers. I thought you said children's fingers. I always have a few of those on hand. Get it? <laughs> oh, you're fired. Oh, oh well, guess it's back to the DMV. <laughs> and stop laughing like that, it's spooky. Promise? So, if you want to help your favorite podcast, and especially to keep the librarian off the streets, go to www.patreon.com backslash wicked library, and thank you for your support. How many choices do you make in a day? In a year? In a lifetime? How many really matter in the end? Do you agonize over the small ones and avoid the important ones? Here on my lift, in this place where all things are possible, your choice matters. Your choices require sacrifice. Will you make the right one? Choose to listen to the lift in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher and now iHeartRadio. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Slapping? Not on my show. This is Ryan Jennings from the Small Town Horror Podcast, and I just wanted to say... The Wicked Library is intended for a mature audience. Ah, shut up already. Who the hell are you? This is going to take a librarian, kitties. What the hell are you doing in my room? Don't try this at all. Oh, got a little blood on my foot. (laughs) (coughs) 
The Wicked Library is intended for mature audiences only. So if you're not mature, get out. Get out now while the getting's good. <laughs> Someone please let the dogs in to clean up this horrifying mess. Wait, maybe one more kick. Slam that. <laughs> Hello, kiddies. Have a seat and relax. I am your librarian. There's nothing to be afraid of, yet. Hold on to yourselves, boils and ghouls. This is going to be a dark ride. We'll leave the lights on for now. No talking. It's story time at the Wicked Library. <laughs> shape in the shadows every morning when I pick out my shoes. Nobody else believes me, but that's okay. In my 16 years, I've found the best things are the ones you keep to yourself. The little truths about the world that everyone else thinks are crazy. Like when I told my aunt I could taste stars, and she made my parents take me to a doctor. I didn't tell anybody about the stars again, but that didn't make them any less real. Can you read? I'll slip this letter under your door to find out. You can write back too if you want. I hope you do. I'm bored and could use a friend. Sincerely, Molly Jane Richards Dear Man in the Ambry, This morning, I checked the letter I left you. It was crumpled in the corner, so you must have read it. Or maybe you thought it was a piece of trash, and you were trying to dispose of it. I searched the whole Ambry, but couldn't find a letter back to me. Oh well, maybe you don't think you're much of a Shakespeare, and would rather not write back. That's okay. I'll keep leaving these letters so long as you notice them. Molly Jane P.S. While in the Ambry, I did come across something small and white near the letter. It reminds me of a thin pillar of salt, but pointy too, like a kid's pocket knife. Does it belong to you? I could leave it with my next letter if you want, or you can come retrieve it yourself. It's in my jewelry box. Dear Man in the Ambry, I bet you're wondering what an Ambry is. That's what my mom calls the place you live. Molly Jane, stop hanging out all day in that Ambry, she'll say. 
but an ambry is just a fancy word for a cabinet or closet. Do you ever leave there? Nobody's ever seen you in the rest of the house, and I've only caught you in the shadows or when the door is ajar. Are you shy? I'm sure glad I chose the room next to yours for my bedroom. Otherwise, I don't know how I'd spend my time. Curiously, Molly Jane. Dear Man in the Ambry, How many years have you lived in this house? We've been here a month, and it's already long enough. Our old place was better, bigger, and with neater windows, stained glass, the whole deal. But according to Mom and Dad, this one's in a better area. A historic neighborhood or something like that. I'd hoped since it was so old, the house might be haunted, but no such luck. Unless you count, are you a ghost? I don't think so. Not one chain has rattled in the Ambry since we moved in. Earlier this week, my parents did say they heard something between my bedroom and theirs. Was that you? And in lieu of chains, do you have an accessory you prefer? More curiously, Molly Jane. P.S. I still have your little white trinket in my jewelry box. I'll give it back if you want. No member of the Richards family has ever been called a thief, and I won't start such an unscrupulous tradition now. Dear Man in the Ambry, Last night, my parents stayed up and listened to some distant scratching. They say it's coming from inside the walls. I didn't hear anything, but my cat Snappy sure did. She's been pawing at the Ambry door ever since. And her hearing's not even very good. She's almost 25. So you must have been pretty busy overnight. We should play a game. That's what friends do, right? I don't really know for sure. My only friends have been my cousins, and none of them are very nice. They're like default friends, the ones you end up with by accident, not by choice. But you're my friend by choice, you and Snappy. I'm not sure what games you play there in the Ambry. Checkers, maybe? Your devoted compatriot, Molly Jane. Dear man in the Ambry, sorry I made you scurry off last night. But you can't roll a soccer ball against my bed at half past two and not expect me to sneak a quick look at where it came from. I always wanted to see your face, and now I have. Well, half your face, anyhow. At least I know you're not a ghost. And in case you were wondering, I never made the soccer team, thankfully. I only have that ball in there because my parents thought organized sports might be good for me. And what does that mean? Organized sports? As opposed to disorganized free-for-all sports? Anyway, I think it's a good idea for a game. I'll crack the Ambry door tonight and wait against the wall. From there, I can send the ball back to you. No peeking, I promise. 
your athletically challenged teammate, Molly Jane. Dear Man in the Ambry, My parents are now convinced the house is haunted. We hear strange rolling noises all night, they say. Let's please continue our game. Your devious one, Molly Jane. Dear Man in the Ambry, I should give you a name. How about George? No, that's silly. That reminds me of Lenny and George in Of Mice and Men. We read that last year in English class, and I liked the part with the dead mouse. It made me laugh. And think of how snappy never means to kill mice either. But the scene bothered the other kids. The dead girl was awful, though. And everyone just called her Curly's wife, like she wasn't worth anything except her husband. So George is out. Here are some other names I like. Let me know which one you prefer. Luke, James, Andrew, Christopher. Your friend in more than name only, Molly Jean. Dear Andrew, I found the last letter I wrote you and Andrew was scratched out. The rest of the names were left alone, so I'm guessing you like Andrew best. Or maybe you like it least, and you were trying to tell me to name you anything other than Andrew. If that's the case, give me some kind of sign, like rip this letter in half or something. Eager to hear from you, Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, Last night's letter was in pristine condition, so Andrew it is. I like that name best, too. So distinguished. This morning, my mom came into my room to discuss school. More about my friends, or lack thereof, than arithmetic homework or anything. And she noticed your white souvenir in my jewelry box. She turned it over and over again in her hand and demanded to know what it was. I said I didn't know. She got all angry and quiet. Then she told my dad. He marched up to my room and tossed your bobble in the trash. I don't know what harm it was doing just sitting in an old box. So I'm sorry I can't give it back to you. But then again... You had plenty of time to salvage it, so you probably didn't want it anymore. Apologetically, Molly Jean. Dear Andrew, my mom found my letters to you. She claims she was searching for laundry, but I think she was spying on me. That white trinket really bothered her. And judging from her screeching and screaming the moment I exited the school bus yesterday, she would have been happier if she'd discovered a spoon and syringe or a positive pregnancy test in my room. She made my dad pull everything out of the ambry to prove no one's there. Sorry about the mess. Part of me thinks they were hoping for a secret passageway where some neighborhood creeper was living. At least then their little girl wouldn't be crazy. 
but there was nothing other than a normal old Ambry. I cried most of last night, which is why I didn't leave you a letter sooner. I tried to write a couple versions of this note, but my tears streaked up the pages and my handwriting was such a mess, I don't think you can have read it anyhow. The only way they'd let me keep my bedroom is if I promise not to write you anymore. So I'll leave this note overnight and burn it in the morning. And don't worry about the fire. Mom will think I'm smoking a joint. Imagine how proud she'll be that her daughter has a normal adolescent vice. Your surreptitious friend, Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, I graduate next week. I can't wait to get out of this house so no one will read my letters except me and you. College is less than three months away. Will you come visit? I'm going to study psychology. That sounds fun, right? Pedestrian, but fun. I'd rather study ghosts and demons and worlds other than my own. But if I wanted that enough, I could move into the Ambry with you. Is there available real estate? No, psychology won't be so bad. My parents said I might finally figure out what's wrong with me. They thought it was funny. I didn't laugh. Collegiate bound, Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, I saw you again today. Just a glimpse, of course, but a good glimpse. Mom was calling upstairs and all her hollering was distracting me, which is how you must have thought you'd slip by. But when I looked at my mirror, your reflection was there in the fissure of the door. You're beautiful. Or handsome. I should say handsome, even though I mean beautiful. Did you always look like that? Or have you changed to please me? Swoony. Not really. Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, two weeks until college. I don't think my parents will notice, but you and Snappy will miss me. I'll leave the Ambry door open so you two can commiserate while I'm away. Homesick already. Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, it's my first Thanksgiving break and I'm already not sure about school. I live with this girl named Heather. She's got a different idea of fun than me, but then most people don't spend their free time writing to guys who live in the walls of spare rooms. I hoped you would visit me at college, but the nooks and crannies in the dorm must not be so comfortable. If you could leave here, would you take the bus? Or would you walk? Or is there some arcane transportation where you're from? Like maybe you ride in the mouth of a dragon or use the fires of the underworld to power a steamship? Or maybe you walk. You probably walk. Your forever dreamer, Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, 
While I was away at school, my parents converted my bedroom into a guest room. They packed all my things and told me to take the boxes with me to school or else my stuff goes into storage. Welcome home, Molly Jean. Sorry about them traipsing all over the Ambry, but you have a lot more breathing room in there now. Do you breathe? If so, it can't be very comfortable in those stuffy walls. My parents left my bed for the benefit of all the elusive guests they must be expecting. So at least I can sleep next to the Ambry. But if there wasn't a bed, I'd just sleep inside the Ambry. Heck, you'd make a better roommate than Heather. By the way, Snappy seems livelier than ever. Mom says she disappeared last week for a few days, but they could hear her meowing, like she was in the walls, my mom said. I knew the two of you would be the best of friends. Your faraway comrade, Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, it's Christmas again. The holidays are all eggnog and misery. Sometimes my parents still hear strange scratching in the walls, and Snappy's gone. She's been missing for over a month now, but last night I heard her purring, so it must not be so bad wherever she is, wherever you are. Do the stars taste like bliss there? Do you have stars at all? Your celestial body. Molly Jean Dear Andrew, Heather has this trick she taught me. If there's a guy she likes and he's hanging out in the dorm hallway, that's how it is at college, all communal and whatnot. She leaves the door to our room open a little while she changes for bed. I must confess, I tried her ploy last night when I got home for the semester sloughed off my academic garb and prepared for the summer, all while giving the Ambry a front row seat. You never looked. Maybe you're too much of a gentleman, or maybe you don't care. And now I just feel embarrassed about the whole thing. Your discomfited coquette, Molly Jane. Dear Man in the Ambry, It's been three semesters since I wrote to you. I guess I don't have much to say. Have you changed? I know I have. I'm seeing this boy, Derek Adler. He's all right. He says he loves me. Do you think he does? My mom insists he'd make a good husband. We've only been seeing each other for two months, and she's already planning the wedding. A spring ceremony, she says, with pink and ivory as the colors. I don't like pink, and I hate every wretched permutation of white, but May or June is as good a month as any to surrender your freedom, don't you think? Their indentured servant, Molly Jane. P.S. I found another of those white pillars in the ambry. Mom says she's gathered up a couple dozen in the last year. She already discarded the others, but I'll keep this one in case you need it back. 
Dear Man in the Ambry, On Sunday, I graduated summa cum laude in psychology. With honors, too. It would have been a good day if Derek hadn't proposed to me over dinner. And both his parents and mine were there, so what was I supposed to do? Here comes the bride, Molly Jane. Dear man in the Ambry, I got married today. People said it was a nice ceremony. They said I wore a beautiful dress. Derek's waiting in the car while I pick up some things for the honeymoon. Will you be the something borrowed and come with me? I don't want to go alone. A brand new Mrs. Molly Jane Richards. Strike that. Adler. Dear Man in the Ambry, Have you ever seen Niagara Falls? Even though it looks like the same Niagara Falls from last week or last year or some centuries-old tin-type photograph of a daredevil on a tightrope, it's different. The water's always changing. People are like that, too. I heard every seven years we shed each individual cell. If our entire bodies changed, are we even the same person? Is Niagara Falls still Niagara Falls? I don't have many reasons to visit my old bedroom anymore, especially now that I have a new bedroom everyone keeps reminding me about. You probably don't know this, but when you get married, people make it their business to ask you about your love life. Like you're an incomparable letdown if there are no swaddling clothes in nine months or less. Maternally, Molly Jane. P.S. How snappy. Mom and Dad haven't heard her in a while. Dear Man in the Ambry, Good news at last. A counseling center hired me. I'll be talking to young kids with so-called behavioral issues, a.k.a. parents like mine. I'm already counseling a girl named Carla. I don't know why her parents think she needs so much help. She seems swell to me. Do they have jobs where you are? Maybe you work to earn those little white knives so you can spend them on bigger white knives. Putting my degree to use. Molly Jane Dear Man in the Ambry Remember the girl I told you about? Carla? Yesterday in our weekly session she confided in me about someone she knew. Someone no one else could see. He lives in the family's garage. He's like you, only his hair's a different color and he's a little shorter. At least... That's what it sounds like from her description. I'll tell you more when I meet her again next week. Maybe her friend's a cousin of yours. Until then, Molly Jane. Dear man in the Ambry, I'm not counseling Carla anymore. My boss pulled me aside and claimed I was feeding her delusions. Her mother must have complained. Now Carla's with another counselor. 
as if anyone else can understand her like I can. Cosmically disappointed, Molly Jane. Dear man in the Ambry, do they downsize where you are? Sometimes I've wondered if maybe I wasn't meant for this world. Maybe my job was to taste stars, but everyone got me off track. I shouldn't complain, though. Life's certainly a lot worse for most people, like Carla's parents. Carla vanished last week, and they can't find her anywhere. I could tell them where she is, but nobody asks my opinion, of course, because they know they wouldn't like what I'd say. Last night, my mom thought she heard Snappy, but that cat would be over 30 now and couldn't possibly be alive, especially without any food and water in the walls. Your incurable human, Mrs. Adler. Dear man in the Ambry, my mom called me tonight and demanded I talk to my dad. When I got here, he was taking a sledgehammer to the wall in their bedroom. Something was behind there, and he said he was going to scare it off. With all that pounding, I sure hope he didn't disturb your rest too much. But don't worry if he did. He's calmer now. Mice, I told him. It's only mice. Are there any pests in the walls? I hope not. How unpleasant that would be for you. The not-so-mousy Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, After Sunday dinner, I found the gift you left me. It made me laugh. Laugh like a hopeless hysteric until my parents and Derek ran all the way upstairs to check on me. They didn't laugh. I guess a pile of dead mice doesn't have traditional comic appeal. I explained it was an inside joke, but they still didn't laugh. Not even a slight smile. And Derek was so mad he went home without me. Something about needing space. He says he'll pick me up in the morning, but I don't care if he does. What a curmudgeon. Would you like any rat poison or mouse traps? I could leave some with the next letter. Yours truly, Molly Jane. P.S. I'm still laughing and will be even after I put this letter in the Ambry. P.P.S. Did you like the gift I gave you in return? Dear Man in the Ambry, Derek has a plan. A plan he thinks will even out my disposition. And you're not working right now, he said. It's the perfect time. I bet he thinks a mother could never giggle at a glut of dead rodents. My parents are already nudging each other and smiling more than usual over meals. Like the three of them are colluding against me. Like they know something I don't. Doubtfully, Derek's wife. Dear man in the Ambry, I found out what my parents were hiding. They bought a new place closer to me and Derek. 
closer for when they have grandkids, as if the offspring were inevitable. Their last day in this house is in less than two weeks. I offered to stay and help them pack, but I don't care about packing. I care about writing to you as many times as I can before I never can again. Your friend, Molly Jane. Dear Man in the Ambry, Twelve days until we abandon the house. I'm not feeling well this evening, so I'll leave it at that. Hopelessly, Molly Jane. Dear Man in the Ambry, Ten days. I'm still sick, but it comes and goes, so I doubt it's terminal. My dad keeps saying he's happy we're leaving, especially since the scratching in the walls has started again. Mom wants to leave sooner to appease him, but I begged her to wait. I want every moment I can spend in the Ambry. Please visit me soon. I miss your face. I miss it so much. Eagerly, Molly Jane. Dear man in the Ambry, thank you for coming overnight. It was nice to know someone was there, even if I could only hear your breathing. Four days left. I'm nauseous and tired and out of things to tell you, except I'm sorry. But I can't stop them. It's their house to sell. Tenuously, Molly Jane. Dear Andrew, I know now why I've been sick. Turns out it is terminal. I'm pregnant. I tried to be careful. I tried to avoid it. Whichever time damned me, I'll never know... And I'm damned nonetheless. Desperately. Molly Jean. Andrew. This is the last night here. My parents and Derek are out to dinner, celebrating the move. I stayed home, said I was sick. And I am sick. I need you to come to me one last time. Before it's too late. They'll be back soon. I'll put this letter in the Ambry and I'll wait. Maybe there aren't stars where you are. Maybe Snappy's not there either. Maybe the fires of the underworld will turn me to ash. But I want the chance to discover that for myself. For the last time. Molly Jean. P.S. They don't know about me, and I never want them to find out. To the man living in our former Ambry, I know you're there. I know because you took my daughter. At first, we thought Molly Jane just wanted to scare us. We didn't even report it for the first few days because we figured she'd come back. That was a year ago. The police conducted a search, a pretty exhaustive one, I might add, but her father and I couldn't see the point. It was more for her husband's benefit. Did she tell you she was married? 
We hired some men to look for you. They pulled out the walls to see if she was in there. It was like we thought. There's no way in or out of the Ambry except the door to her bedroom. But then the men inspected the walling they'd removed. They said it was the darndest thing. They said it looked like someone wrote on the back of that paneling. Not words any of us could read. Maybe not words at all. More like something trying to write. Something with claws. Claws like pillars of salt. Please let her come home. Her husband and parents miss her. She belongs with us. Sincerely, a distraught mother. P.S. Please stop cooing at night. And stop giggling, too. It's scaring the new tenants. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode of The Wicked Library. Stay tuned for a short interview with the author after these brief credits. The Wicked Library is created and shared for free, but there are costs involved in its production. The Wicked Library now has a Patreon account. Head on over to thewickedlibrary.com for more details and to support the show you love. We really do count on your support in order to make the show possible. The Wicked Library is sponsored by the Legends Myths and Whiskey Podcast, brought to you by a team of storytellers and whiskey lovers. They bring culture to life through storytelling every week. You can find them over at legendsmythsandwhiskey.com. You can, of course, also find them in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. They also have a production of Beowulf, fully scored with music by someone those who are fans of the Wicked Library would be familiar with, Nico Viteze. Find links in the show notes or head on over to legendsmythsandwhiskey.com to find out more. The Wicked Library is a Ninth Story Studios production. Ninthstory.com All audio recorded in-house at Ninth Story Studios is recorded on Rode microphones. Find out more information about the great products over at Rode.com. That's R-O-D-E dot com. And big thanks to Rode for helping us make this show possible. Complete show notes, including credits for music, art, story, and narration can be found at thewickedlibrary.com by clicking on the appropriate episode number. You can also find a link to our Twitter account, our Facebook page, and a link to rate and review the show in iTunes. Reviews mean a lot to us. Please let us know what you think of the show. And now, our interview with the author. Are you ready? I am. Fantastic. So, today we have Gwendolyn Keist, who is the author of today's episode of The Wicked Library, The Man in the Ambry. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, welcome. And you're welcome. (laughs) So, a great, creepy little story. Or maybe I should refer to it as what it really is. A beautiful love story (laughs) between a young girl. And a monster. And a monster who lives in her closet. (laughs) And they grow to love each other despite everybody trying to keep them apart. Exactly. Despite her marriage. Despite her pregnancy, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, She falls in love with this wonderful, beautiful creature from her Ambry. And uh, she's a special girl because she can taste stars. 
Yes. You have some great dialogue in this. I found that in listening to the story, she's very funny. You know, she's she's a little off, obviously. <laughs> she definitely is. <laughs> um and and you know, it's it's fun because most of the way through the story, you can kind of dismiss certain things like, okay, maybe she's just nuts, you know, because yeah. you, you definitely plant that seed. Um <laughs> and I think that even at the end of the story, whenever we know that the monster is actually real and that she actually is in the walls at the end. Yeah. She's still not quite stable, but maybe she's happier <laughs> because who's giggling? Do you know? Is it her or yeah. is it the baby? I consider the baby cooing and right. she's the one that's giggling. That's what I thought. That's what I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's funny because I listened to the story quite a bit in term and going through and editing it. Um, in writing music to go behind it. You know. I, I love the music. I, I love it. Well, thank this. you. Yes. I thank you on behalf great. of myself and Ryan. Yes. <laughs> um, some of the lines, like I had some favorite lines. Um, the stars taste like bliss. <laughs> the, uh, the scene where she's talking about how he's going to come to visit her and, uh, maybe you ride in the mouth of a dragon <laughs> or maybe you walk. <laughs> I loved how, how she delivered that, too. It was exactly how I imagined it. It was like this pause of like, eh, maybe it just walk. Maybe I'm making this way too complicated. <laughs> you had an opportunity that a lot of the uh, writers don't have, which is you get to listen to the story yes. well before it airs. Because yes. as we're sitting here, we just aired the first episode for season seven yesterday. Um, so you're hearing this like a week, two weeks before everybody yeah, else. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. yeah so. I'm very excited. I was already excited. Now I'm even more excited yeah. for it to for the release. So well, you said it's been a while since you've read the story. So it's a little, it's a little while. Yeah, especially read read it in full. Sometimes I'll go back and just read bits and yeah. pieces of 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 my work. So did it feel new? Did it feel like something brand new to you? It did. It did. There were definitely parts that I remembered very clearly, but then some of them were like. Oh, I forgot about that. That was great. I, I love the character. I do think she's one of the best characters I've ever created. So to, so to hear her brought to life by somebody else who I feel very much understood the character. Yeah. That's always really exciting. That's always really exciting. Yeah. Cindy said that she tried to start off with a younger register. And then yeah. as the letters progressed, yeah. she, she got older. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a part where she gets very cynical after she gets married. Yeah. And it, it I, I, I thought it was a fun story to begin with. And it, it's really nice to hear it brought to life. You know, in this, if this had been last season, I probably would have tried to read this story, you know, and I don't mind reading a female part, but no, you I, did great in Audrian for Audrey at night. Yeah. Because that's from a female narrator. But to hear someone, to hear an actual woman read it and it, it just, <laughs> it, I think it's much more immersive. It's something that we're, going to try for this season is I have a couple other stories that um, are going to be read by narrators that run other shows, uh, do other podcasts, and we always want to keep things fresh around here. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You definitely do that. So what was your favorite part about writing this story? I love epistolary stories. I've always loved stories that are written in letters, and I, I feel like there's not a lot of them out there. Maybe yeah. it was more of an older format. I've seen some over over the last couple of years that are newer stories, so uh -huh. that that's fun to sort of see that. Um, so yeah, that's I loved writing that. I, I and I loved seeing the progression of her character and watching her grow up through the letters. Yeah, and just you know being able to explore that with a character that was like such such a strange character. She's yeah. a very strange girl, so that was really fun. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she um she she gets 
um, fired for buying into somebody's delusion or yeah. downsized, yes. which I'm assuming comes from the fact that they think that she's not very good with these yes. with these patients. That yeah. was kind of that was kind of the impression that I got. She wasn't necessarily fired, but they're like, well, our first choice for downsizing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Is this? Yeah, it's Molly Jane. <laughs> yeah, she passes on her her crazy, you know, to the to the other young girl. She's yeah. like, well, you have someone living in your. Well, I don't know. Maybe she does because the girl does disappear. So. Right. <laughs> It's it's kind of you know, like that's earlier in the story and you're like, well, maybe she's just, you know, yeah, yeah. But when you take it with the supernatural element, it, yeah. it, there's that scene where, you know, when we were listening to it, you laughed and you're like, oh, you know, they're comparing notes yeah, on, their, comparing notes on their on their boogeyman. Their, yeah, on their boogeyman. That's just fantastic. <laughs> so I told Cindy that I would ask you about and, and I don't know, maybe we don't want to maybe we don't want to specifically answer the question because we leave some <laughs> of it up to the to the reader to decide. But there's definitely a sense in reading this that she, you know, like I said in the beginning, it's kind of a love story. She falls for this guy yeah. who lives in her closet. <laughs> um, and there's some indication that the baby may not necessarily be her husband's. <laughs> I, I do like leaving that open-ended, but yeah, that was definitely something that I was thinking as I was writing it, that it very much might not be her husband's. Right. So, I mean, then that even makes more sense that she ends up in the Ambry. She's got to keep her family together. That's so. right. <laughs> Snappy. Snappy's in there. Snappy's in there. Snappy apparently doesn't age whenever I, Snappy's in the yeah. closet. That's tw- and like, even before Snappy is taken into that other realm, Snappy's 25, yes. which is... That's a ripe old age for a cat. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I think the oldest living when when Cindy and I were talking about the story, we did some research on like the oldest living cat. Yeah. The oldest living cat right now, I think, is like 60 years old. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. See, I think I chose 25 because somebody I knew in grad school, like her parents were meeting her halfway because she was from like Illinois. They were meeting her in like Indiana because it was in Mm. Ohio. And the cat was like 25, but they were meeting her halfway to give her her cat because she moved in. And then they're like, Uh. okay, we'll bring your cat halfway. And she's like, oh, the cat's like 25. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know that was like common for them to live that long. So that's the, that was totally why I worked that detail. Yeah. (laughs) Like very old cat. Plus then obviously the cat's probably not still alive by non-supernatural means right. if, if it's still in the Embry. Good old Snappy. I, yeah, I, I always laugh at that name. I don't even know why it chose <laughs> that name, but it always makes me laugh because it's such a silly name, but I could totally see her naming her cat Snappy just because it's a weird name. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I, 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 I just picture like, I picture him being very kind to the cat. You know, like he's oh, yeah. sitting there petting the oh, cat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I wanted to make that clear because I didn't want people to think he like ate the cat. Right. That he ate <laughs> that it. Exactly. to be very clear because that's a What's totally gonna... different story if yeah. he's eating the cat. <laughs> What's he going to do to the cat? <laughs> so that's why the cat's purring. The cat's very happy. Yeah. Man in the Embry is not eating the cat. <laughs> If anybody gets anything out of this out of this interview, <laughs> the cat is alive. The cat is fine. The cat's fine. He's well past his lifespan at this exactly. point. Exactly. Um, so you also have some some really interesting stuff in the story about like you get you wax poetic and and philosophical at one point where you talk about Niagara Falls. Yeah. And, um, the water always changing, and I think that's rather deep. 
it, it's not what you expect, but it comes, I think, at the right point in the story. Yeah, because she feels like she's changing so much against her will in, in certain ways because it's right after she got married. So, yeah, that's definitely how she's feeling. And, and I think by the end, she's changed for the better because I feel like she's grown up and been like, this isn't the life I want and gone after something, even though she has no idea what's in the Ambry, really. But she's like, I'd rather go for that than stay in a life that makes me unhappy. So Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really positive message for such a scary and creepy little story <laughs> that you know you know sometimes you have to take the risk and follow your dreams you don't know what's going to be on the other side yeah but if you don't take that leap you're never going to know yeah. yeah um and in in her case it seems like it 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 ends up okay yeah i think it does she's I think in there does. hanging out with you know hit the piles of dead mice <laughs> I was first shopping this story. I had to be careful where I sent it because if somebody was like, no animal cruelty, I'm like, well, technically there's a pile of dead mice. I suppose you could say that's animal yeah. cruelty. Maybe so, they all died from natural causes. That's true. We don't know. He might have just been collecting them. Right. Maybe he liked dead mice. He <laughs> exactly. knew. He's been saving them up, up for, for years. Her. Yeah, because she said that she liked the dead the dead mice. And he's like, <laughs> and one, of one of these days. One of these days, I'm going to be able to use this. I'm just keeping them on the, on, in the freezer for you right now. <laughs> they have a very strange courtship. They do. And he never writes back. That's no, the he, funny thing. But he tries. He's trying on the inside of the wall. He's trying. That's right. Yeah, but he just isn't able to, apparently. But, uh, yeah, no, so, and I, one of the other things that I thought was kind of fun and significant is it's very obvious that there's a point where when she goes away to college, she's calling him Andrew. Yes. And then when she comes back at a certain point, she's like, dear man in the amber. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a and then she warms up to him again over yes. time as she's spending more time with him and maybe other things um, <laughs> that she refers to him and it's Andrew at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when she tries to change in front of the closet door and he doesn't the Ambry door and he doesn't look, she's all upset. Yeah. So that it's like dear man in the Ambry. And we were just listening to it. I said to my husband, I'm like, burn. That was her total like burn. I'm gone. You're not Andrew anymore. You're just the man in the Ambry. Right. I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing here naked. Yeah, and you you're don't like, care. I'm going to go collect some dead mice. Exactly. That's fantastic. So how long did this story take you to write? Was this one that came out pretty easily or? Yeah, I think it only took maybe a few days to write this one. It's interesting. It's interesting because this is, this is an older story. I think this was one of my very first, when I was really starting to submit stories Mm. like two years ago, this was one of the very first ones. So like, it's a long, it's a long time ago. It feels like that I wrote, even though two years isn't that long, but you've done a lot since. Yeah. In the life of an artist, I think two years can feel like a million years. Absolutely. Yeah. So this was a long time ago. So I'm, I'm very happy that I I feel like it's held up very well. And and so that makes me happy. It's kind of scary sometimes as you grow as an artist or you hopefully grow anyway. Some people may be like, Gwen, you haven't grown at all. You're terrible. (laughs) But I like to think I've developed as an artist over the last couple yeah. of years. But it's nice to be able to go back to the to the older material and be like, yeah, I'm still really, really, really proud of what I what I did with that. So that's very cool. And plus, you guys make it sound so good. So there's that. Yeah, you know, you, you get the right voice talent with a story, and it's always gonna it's always gonna add something a little extra special absolutely, to it. Absolutely, absolutely. So what have you been up to in the last two years since this? I mean, I, well, you know, it's only been a year since we had you on. Ninth story. I don't even think it's been a year, has it? I no, it hasn't. That was only earlier this year. It was only like six months ago. It seems is that a right? Long. It seems I a lot longer. So. It does seem a lot longer, but I think that aired. Oh, in you're aging April. very well. <laughs> <laughs> you look younger than last time. 
It's been five years since we chatted. No, Larry, it hasn't. Um, yeah, so you, you've been busy, though. I, I try I, to stay busy, yeah. We should, um, because this will air pretty soon, so mm-hmm. we'll still be within the 60 days of Halloween. We will be, yes. My 60 days of Halloween blog is currently going on. Yeah, so you're, you're, kind, of, you're kind of in your glory right now. This is your favorite time of the year. It's like Christmas for you. It's like the most wonderful time of the yeah, year. Yeah, either my, my glory or my total like frazzled craziness, because it feels like everything always happens during September and October, and that's yeah. when I'm like, I have to do this blog every day, because I've never missed a day ever i've been doing 60 days of halloween for five years now do you pre-write no sometimes no i should and every year my husband and i talk about how i'm gonna get some stuff prepared ahead of time and every year comes and goes and it's it's the first day and i'm like i have nothing prepared so now we have to reinvent the wheel every single day But yeah. So what are the, some of the things for those who haven't, and, and everybody should check it out. First of all, tell them where they can find it. 60 days of Halloween.com. It's fantastic. I bet that's worth money. <laughs> it wasn't at the time I bought it. Yeah. Maybe now. <laughs> maybe now. Um, yeah. So what are some of the fun things that you've been doing for that? Doing a lot of crafts and that sounds boring, but they're, we always try to make them interesting and fun. And I ridiculous. like your wreaths. My wreaths, okay. <laughs> That's Those a great were kind of cool. Love your wreaths. <laughs> Those were cool. Yeah, didn't you have? Didn't you post something where it was um like a snake, a bunch of snakes or something? No, possibly. No? I know we had the uh, mm. the ornaments on the wreath. Yeah, 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 yeah. So who knows? We always do a whole bunch of different things. So we do recipes, we do crafts. I do spotlights on. I try to do spotlights on different books, especially yeah. if they're you know horror or Halloween or fall related. Mm-hmm. So get, getting that out there and. Movies and music, so all picking apples. Types of stuff. Picking apples, yeah, we always pick apples. Which I, I almost feel bad because it's been like five years, and every single year, my husband and I go and pick apples. Like here we are picking our apples, and people are like, "We don't care." So I always like try to put snarky commentary in 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 the captions, so that way it keeps it interesting, keeps it fresh. They're fresh apples. <laughs> yeah. How long? How long do apples last? I was curious about that whenever I saw that you were picking so many apples. Maybe a month. Yeah, look yeah. over my husband because he's like he's he's you like can't the put more in like, like a barrel and store them down. You can the... you if you keep them cool. I think they'll last longer. So yeah. But what do you do with all these out? You just eat them, or you make pies, or <laughs> yeah, pies. throw them at neighbors. Or... Oh, of course, you got to throw them at neighbors. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pies, scones. And eat dry them out, make them look like shrunken heads. I know. I think we've done that before for 60 days. Somebody was just asking me about that. I'm like, I think we've it's already cool. done that. There's all kinds of weird things that we like to do for 60 days. It's a good time. What else do you have planned? For the rest of the 60 days? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have no idea. That's the whole thing. I have no idea. No <laughs> Tomorrow's clue. a surprise. Tomorrow's a surprise. A lot of times it'll be the afternoon. I'll be like, ah, I got to do something. You'll find a pillar of salt by your Andy. <laughs> I want an Ambry. We don't have an Ambry. I didn't even know what that was till I went to start writing this story. And I'm like, ooh, an Ambry. That sounds so like pretty. That's such a pretty word. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd, I'd ask you to, to explain what an Ambry is, but you kind of do in the story. Yeah, she you know? does. She She's like, it's just a fancy name for a closet. Yeah, really. <laughs> it sounds pretty it sounds cool it's like a it's like a port and it's like a portal to another world it's yes. it's, it's the twisted narnia <laughs> of course, although narnia wasn't always a very no, nice place no not at all it really wasn't most of those like portal worlds they they try to pretend that they're nice like wonderland it's not nice they're gonna cut off your head they're not nice <laughs> yeah wonderland was terrible yeah you don't ever want to go to wonderland no. 
I know when people like talk about portal stories and oh, I want to go there. I'm like, I don't like portal stories were like cautionary tales to me. Yeah. Like this is what I don't want to do. <laughs> I have a little, I have one that I've, I started writing a while ago. I never finished, but um, it, at least in its initial stages, it's a nice thing. We'll see. Maybe it turns, maybe it turns dark it's, and angry. It's always more interesting in the story. If things are, are there terrible, has to be some there sort has of challenge, to be some, right? some sort of challenge or conflict. That's what I always yeah. say. Like a, a happy life is not an interesting story. That's such a sad thing. As a, as a storyteller, you want to tell horrible stories, but you want to live one that nobody would ever want to read. <laughs> well, yeah. You want to leave, lead a happy, non chaotic life. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's funny. I spent a lot of time, um, over the last couple of years talking to like traditional storytellers. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorites yeah. was a gentleman by the name of Daniel Morden, who um, is a Welsh storyteller. And he said that, you know, interesting stories are about the don'ts. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, don't eat that apple. That's a good one. Uh-huh. Don't, don't look behind that door. Uh- don't do this. Don't do that. That's where the story is. Absolutely. You know, that's where we fail. And, and that's where things become interesting, because if you follow the rules, Yes. I mean, hopefully most of us follow most of the rules sometimes, but <laughs> sometimes. Um, it, it makes for a boring life, right? Yeah. Yeah. At least in terms of literary fiction. Yes, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's it's the don'ts. It's the, the it's the it's like the that. the warnings. It's the forbidden, the forbidden things that are, are where the story lie. Yep. So we're going to have you on again soon, right? For what? Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a live Halloween recording on. I wasn't October sure if that 15th. was a, if that was official. If you definitely were yeah. going to do the story, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to um, put pressure on you. Like you're, but you're doing my story, right? That's right, right, right. right? That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a dark one. That's a really, really, really dark one. It is one. a really dark one, and and it's yeah. see. So I'll tell people early what the theme is for this. Now that I have all the stories in, Nelson and I sat down, and he said, "You know what." The Wicked Library is yours. He's like, I'm not involved anymore. I have other things that I want to do. Uh, you're doing a great job with it. And I don't want to be like lording over you and looking over <laughs> your shoulder constantly where you're like, is he going to take it back? Is he going to take it back? Is he going to take it back? He's like, so it's yours. Just run with it. Do what you want to do with it. So for Halloween, the theme is replacement. Um, so oh. I was looking at stories that deal with possession mm. or body snatchers or somebody that is not who you think they are. Yes. And I gave that to the to the writers who were writing the episodes, and I got a couple of stories back. Um, well, several enough. <laughs> and um, yours was one wish for the wishing well. Yes. And I was going through and, and deciding which story of yours I was going to do for this season. Yes. And I looked at this one, and it's actually longer than my typical Halloween yeah. story because we usually do about a thousand to fifteen hundred words. Yeah. Um, but I decided I would have one story that was kind of like the main story and then do some other shorter stories so that there's some variety to it. The first line, I was like, well, I have to use this story now. <laughs> the wrong child slithered from Jenny's womb. Sighing, the new mother told the doctors they'd made a mistake. Put that one back, she said, waving to the wailing form wrapped in pink and exchange it for another. 
So that right there is like, you know, the wrong baby story. Yes. Um, and it gets a lot deeper and a lot darker oh, as we go along. it gets very dark. It gets very dark. There's not too many stories that my dad will be like after he proofreads them, like, please don't make me read that again. But yeah. that was one of them. And ironically, the other one is Find Me, Mommy, which you did over the summer for the yes. Wicked Library. So you're doing all the ones. Even my dad, who like yeah. raised me on horror, is like, too much for me, kid. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, the rule has always been, is it wicked? Yes. Okay, then we'll do the story and speaking of halloween and your obsession with halloween you're doing the the lifts opening season premiere i know i didn't even know it was the season premiere until like after i was already started started writing it did you have fun writing it i did i did it was yeah i mean obviously i love halloween so it was fun to do a halloween episode and it was fun because it's a very poignant story too it It, it does have poignant moments but also it's really fun moments because i don't think it spoils too much but there's like these great moments with them and victoria yeah that that are really very halloween yeah i I love that yeah so i mean without giving too much away there it it stars two girls and they are they are living with an aunt who doesn't allow them. Well, I think it's one of those. One of them, it's their mother. Yeah, right? they're cousins. The yeah. girls are cousins, and yeah. they don't celebrate. We won't say why, but they the family does not celebrate Halloween. The caretaker, the mother slash aunt, is very against Halloween, <laughs> and uh, the two girls manage to sneak out and spend some time with Victoria, trying on all kinds of different costumes. Yes, yes. Um, and there's some there's some very emotional parts to it. And there's some some very scary parts to it. Yeah, and there are it's, a couple, yeah. It's exactly what it's supposed to be, a fun I, story I, for I, Halloween. Thank you. I'm glad you said that because it's always so scary when, especially for the lift, because yeah. this is so your vision. And I, whenever you like said, this is this is good. I really enjoyed this. I'm like, okay, yeah. everything's okay. <laughs> you uh, you like to write those tearjerkers for the lift, which is which is great. Yeah, that's not fair though because the Easter episode was just he was vicious in that. He was, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Easter one was definitely more of just treating a terrible person badly, which yes. was a lot of fun because I don't normally do that, <laughs> but I wanted to do something completely different from Girl Alone at Play, which was a tearjerker. Oh, I listened to it again recently and I tear up and I, I never want to be one of those people that cries at their own stories because yeah. I think that's so pretentious. Yeah. But the way the way Cindy, I mean, she just, yeah. every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, this is so sad. This is so much sadder than I ever remember it. Yeah. She just did so, so well. You get the right actor to to take the words to the you know, yes. to that next level. Yes, and, it's just... and she just hit that out of the park. Yeah. That's just great. She she did great with Man in the Ambry, too. They're both just, anything that she narrates is fantastic. Oh, I'm sure she's smiling. <laughs> she should. She's great. <laughs> so... Talking about all that, whenever you're sitting down and you're writing a story, do you know that you're writing something that's poignant? Do you know that you're writing something? You said you don't you don't ever want to be one of those authors that like tears up at your own stories. I sometimes but you, do, but yeah. I, I particularly hate it when people are like, oh, I'm writing and it's making me cry. And then everybody on Facebook's like, oh, I'm like, just stop. Just stop. Everybody stop. It's pretentious and ridiculous. See, I get, I get, I get concerned whenever I'm writing a story if I get emotional about it because, I mean, as we're writing, and I and I think that writing is a very cathartic experience. Yes, yes, it is. And we pull up lots of stuff that we don't even realize that we're carrying around with ourselves if we're doing it right. Yeah, you're digging deep and you're yanking out bits and pieces of yourself, and sometimes you don't even realize that you're putting them into the story. Yeah. But I always get concerned. I'm like, I get emotional when I'm writing something. and I'm like, am I crying because this is 
good or am I crying because I think it's good? Yeah, I I was just writing a story and I just finished it this week and it was a very it was very emotional for me to write it and I don't normally get that that emotional. It was it was sad, it made me angry a lot of the themes I was dealing with and when I was done with it I had no clue whether it was good or not. Yeah. I really felt that way. Now, so what do you do? Do you give it to your husband and ask him to read it? Absolutely. Or? I give it to a bunch of beta readers. And at this point, the story's actually had three beta readers and they all were like, this is great. And I'm like, okay. So it worked good. out. Or at least for these three readers, it worked out. Maybe they're the only three that will ever like it. But, you know, <laughs> at least they enjoyed it. But I genuinely felt like it was going to be a mess. And when I gave it to my husband, I like gave him this huge, like, it might be a mess. It might not make any sense. You have to tell me if this isn't working. He said yeah. he was expecting James Joyce. He was expecting that it would be absolutely <laughs> nonsense. And he, when, he, when he finished reading, he's like, this is fine. This is great. Like, this makes yeah. total sense. I'm like, okay. But when you're that emotional writing something, sometimes you think... Am I just putting a bunch of my own my own issues on the page? And yeah. then like, is that that can be good? That's not necessarily. Yeah, because I think people can tell when it's real, you know, Absolutely. Like, you're you're sharing, you're being genuine. Yeah, you're being generous as as you know, some of us will say with your with, you know, your emotions and your feelings and your history. Um, I mean, it's. It's all veiled. I mean, you're not coming right out and saying yeah. certain things. But that, to me, that's always the the most interesting part is like not even being necessarily aware of what you're writing about until later. Yeah, it, I it's happened both ways for me. Sometimes yeah. it, it will be like halfway through and be like, whoa, this took a different turn, but I think it's working. And other times I'll know going into it. These are the issues, you know, maybe broadly, thematically or personally that I feel like needs to be in the story. Yeah. So. I feel like that that can vary, but yeah, that it can work out really well to put put all those problems on the page. But I have read other stories you could tell the person was trying to get the problems on the page, or even some of my earlier work that you could tell you're trying to work out problems, and you're like, yeah, that's got to stay in the drawer. Like that doesn't get to come out. It was great to to write it, but it's like a diary entry. You yeah. just leave that. You don't. You don't. It's a mess. <laughs> so, what other things have you learned about writing that would be helpful to folks that? want to write or want to tell stories that always terrifies me to like give people advice even though that's what i well, oftentimes do yeah, on my blog right. and things like that but it's usually the in, under the guise of like oh well maybe this isn't gonna work for you but I, and that's true i think yeah. i mean so, like everybody's a different storyteller absolutely, absolutely but um something that we're i always kind of look at these interviews as like if the listener gets if they're interested in writing and telling stories, or maybe it's yeah. just they're interested in knowing, you know, the behind the, behind scenes. the I scenes. I don't I don't plan on ever writing a story, but I love to learn yeah. how people make this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think if you get like one or two things out of it, if it works for you, it does. If it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. <laughs> I, oh, one of the big things I always tell writers, especially whether they're new to it or not, but just don't don't take the advice too seriously that's out there it's like we were just saying it doesn't necessarily work work for everybody yeah the other thing i think is just to keep at it i know that's so such a cliche but to just keep working at it and if you believe in a story or you believe even in some kernel in it to try to keep working through it because Mm -hmm. i've had stories that like i get halfway through them and i'm like this is a mess i don't think this is gonna work and then maybe i take a breather for a day or two or even a week and i come back to it and you can sort of see the path through at that point you're like okay 
This is working. Here's how I've got to sort of get myself out of it. That's almost how sometimes I approach writing. It's almost like I get myself into a problem. I don't even mean to, (laughs) but I'm writing and all of a sudden I'm in the middle of this huge mess that I've made and either I can walk away and feel like I wasn't able to work through it or being able to get through that other side. And I always find it interesting in editing because I just had another story that I finished about a week ago. I'm actually writing a lot lately. That's exciting. Yeah. Especially with the blog. So there's been a lot of a lot of words lately. <laughs> lots and lots of them. So many it's a dizzying. But I had a story and I had started it and I'd gotten about halfway through it and I just left it because I wanted to go back and finish my novel, which is almost done. So that's really exciting. Um, but I felt like I'd really left this other this short story unfinished and it bothered me because I really, really liked the concept and I knew it had some some things in it that I really wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And I left it alone and then I finally came back to it and I kept working on it and and then it became a bigger mess than it had been before I had even left it. So I'm like, I have just totally messed this up. But I kept working at it, kept working at it. And then at one point through like the third or fourth editing pass, I, I read through it from from top to bottom. I'm like, it's done. Like all of a sudden it had been polished from all the other edits I'd worked on. I'm like, this is good. I'm happy with this. <laughs> this is actually really working, I think. So and send it out to the beta readers. This is really working. This is great. And I'm like, okay, all right. That's that's what I want. But it, it's interesting how that can happen. That you can yeah. be like, there's no way out of this. I've made a mess. I've created this huge problem. And then all of a sudden, like you keep working at it and you keep working at it. And then it's like, okay. And that's what it feels like. It feels like even how I'm saying it, it's like, <gasps> Okay. Okay. I'm at the I'm at the finish line. It happened. It really happened. Oh my gosh, the race is over. Is it really over? That's that's totally the way it is to me. I'm like, okay. It's a surprise. It is. It always feels like that. Like I'm never gonna get another story done. That's always in my head. Like, this is it. This is the last one. I'm never gonna be able to get myself out of the next problem that I make. But you just keep going and you just keep working and eventually the problem's solved, more or less. So Gwendolyn's advice is paint yourself into a corner whenever possible. <laughs> possible and then just keep going yeah. climb up the walls <laughs> so what do you have going on that people that love this story can look for obviously 60 days of halloween mm-hmm. obviously the lift story that is coming mm-hmm. out the other wicked library story yeah and oh night script will be out by the time this is out so that's really exciting i'm very happy with that uh that release that's super exciting because what's I, night script night script is a weird horror anthology sort of like weird strange tales i think is what they mm-hmm. how they how they do it because some people like they don't like considering weird and horror the same there are there's a lot of like weird is over here and horror is over here i'm of the i'm of the opinion everything blends like in my yeah. opinion everything's together we're all in this together guys but some people do not feel that way so we'll say strange tales i think is how they how they describe Night Script, but there's a lot of great people on that table of contents. This is the second volume. The first volume was awesome. So I'm very, very excited. My dark fantasy horror. See, I think dark fantasy and horror are almost the same thing, too. Yeah, but it can cross over absolutely, for sure. Absolutely. But my story, Reasons I Hate My Big Sister, oh. is going to be in Night Script. So I'm very proud of that story. I love that story. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. So that'll be out by the time this interview is out. So that's super exciting. And then Finishing up my novel and seeing where that goes. <laughs> that's that's always a big, big question mark, right? As a writer, when you're trying to like finish up yeah, a giant project, being like, all right, let's see where this goes. So that's the next big adventure. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so we'll, well see. Are you, so what's your, what's your 
deadline that you've set for yourself? Are you planning for like end of the year? Or? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, December is when I'm I'm hoping to to finish all the edits. The first draft is completely done, and actually, pretty much a second and third edit are pretty much done. So it's really nice. just going back and polishing it. So yeah, yeah, I'm very happy with that. Again, the people who've read it so far like it. Like I said there might be the only people who ever read it who ever like it, but you know, at least I entertained one or two people. So there you go. That's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. That's all that matters. That's right. Well, where can folks find you and interact with you online? I know that you have the uh, 60 Days of Halloween. You have, yes. of course, your Facebook that you're very active on. I try to be. I try to be. But GwendolynKeist.com is sort of the hub. So G-W-E-N-D-O-L-Y-N-K-I-S-T-E.com. And so you can sort of find my blog through there and all of my social media and all of the previous publications. You can choose your path, right? Yes, you can choose, you choose your own and you adventure. And you said you have, uh, <laughs> you have other, uh, other published work up there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have links to everything up yeah. there, we should say. So yeah. you can get some free stuff, but please buy some of the stuff that she has <laughs> yes. worked so hard to create. Yes. That's how we try, we, we try to encourage you guys to support the authors and the artists and the composers and everybody else who works so hard to make this show happen. So, Oh, wait, I should give one more shout out. Thank Absolutely. you to Matt Andrew for doing the art for this oh, yeah. episode. We, Matt- should, we should mention Matt's yeah, art. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. And it was just so much fun because he's also a writer. So, mm-hmm. you know, he and I have... have we talk a lot about writing, just instant messaging each other on, on Facebook as we're working through different writing problems. <laughs> and it was just fun that when he told me that he was illustrating the story, because we had both wondered, like, oh, are we ever going to be able to collaborate? Because he's also the, does the artwork. So that was really fun. That was like totally something we both wanted to do. So that was really cool. Yeah. It, I was uh, I was out at the movies a couple months ago. And I was out to dinner afterwards and I started getting messages from him saying, hey, you know, I'd like to do some artwork for you guys. <laughs> um, so, you know, I started sending him information back. And it's it's interesting to me, like how these little communities are built. And yes. How many people know other people Absolutely. within the yeah. horror community. Um, so it's it's fun to kind of get a chance to collaborate with everybody it and is. tie things together. Yeah. Oh, I know you. Yeah. yeah. And I had given him the link to the Wicked Library because poor Matt, about like a year ago, he said, you know, I'm trying to get my artwork out there more. Yeah. So let me know if you know of anything. And poor Matt, because like, if you tell me that, like you open the floodgate because I'll start sending people like <laughs> somebody asks for help. I'm like, here's a link. Here's a link. Here's a link. I probably yeah. sent him like 25 links since then. I'm like, he's probably like, just stop, lady. Stop. <laughs> but <laughs> this was one of the links that I had sent him. So it was very fun. That Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So I'm no. like, this is great. I love Dan. Dan's awesome. Wicked Library's awesome. Yay. It was basically like my pitch. <laughs> I sound like a cheerleader. I sound like a cheerleader. Well, like, I appreciate that. On a sugar rush. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we have um, we have planned to do another one a little later in the season as well. Um, we're doing a Southern. There's a lady by the name of uh, Eden. Is it Eden Royce? Yes, Eden Royce. I yeah. love Eden. I've interviewed her for my site. She's fantastic. Yeah. So Eden Royce sent in um, a couple of stories, and Wonderful. we managed to make through this, make our way through the slush pile. And I read them, and I was like, "These are both awesome." Yeah. And um, I mean, they're both a little shorter, so to the two of them together come out to the the length of the episode that we need. Wonderful. And uh, Matt and I had come up with some ideas as to what we're going to do with uh, her southern gothic horror that is theme. so cool i'm so excited to hear those yeah Yay! yeah so i don't want to i don't want to tip my hand but we have something <laughs> really cool planned for that that, that i think is going to be great. a lot of fun Yay. and uh of course as i mentioned you know we're going to have a couple other people that we we both know and whose work is awesome on the show this season very cool Yay! this is so awesome 
But so, you said all of these these communities being built. Yes. It's fun to see so many people fun. that I have talked to, either interviewed on my blog or just I'm friends with on Facebook and just being able to see them on the same things that I'm working <laughs> on. It's like, yay, we're all in this together. Again, there's that cheerleader again. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's. I think it's a great thing. that it's, I mean, that's the whole point of what we try to do is yeah. to, to get all these people connected because, yeah. you know... I, me and one other person, I have my connections, they have their connections, but whenever we build these communities, you know, the benefit to that is that everybody gets more opportunities because they're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I saw the work that they did on this. I'm going to tell them about this. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the, the, the goal and the dream is to get these folks out there, not only to a wider audience of listeners, but also to build these communities where they can find out about things from each other. Yeah. And we all try to take care of each other. The horror community. We're not weird, twisted people. Or if we are, we're, we're at least the, nice to each exactly. other. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, I was talking to uh, someone about that the other day. It's like cathartic. You get all that crazy stuff out Absolutely. and you're the most well-balanced people. <laughs> exactly. So. Well, thanks for coming in and spending so much time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, for sitting down and listening to the story. I I'm know, glad you approve. Oh, absolutely. So if uh, people want to find you, they can find you on Facebook, Twitter, but the best place is to go to your website. I think so. But and I mean, then find their wherever. path out from there. Exactly. Exactly. Path it's good to have a hub. <laughs> a hub. I love that I actually used that word in context. <laughs> That's, That's wonderful. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks again. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.